When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to this explosive, pun intended, episode of Pop Culture Confidential, all about love triangles, marriage, passion, and of course, volcanoes. My guest is Sarah Dosa, director of the documentary Fire of Love. It follows French volcanologist Katjan Maurice Kraft, who fell in love as university students and whose shared passion for volcanoes melded their lives and careers until their death in 1991 at the foot of Japan's Mount Unzen. The film is narrated by Miranda July, and the incredible amounts of archival footage and materials that Dosa and her team draw from and have so beautifully put together show how the crafts documented volcanoes in such intimate detail, whimsy, and passion. And the film also captures the essence of the crafts, two eccentric and unique scientists with a love story like no other. This is Katya, and this is Maurice. (laughs) Tomorrow will be their last day. They will leave behind hundreds of hours of footage, thousands of photos, and a million questions. Alone, they could only dream of volcanoes. Together, they can reach them. They meet on a blind date at a cafe. From here on out, life will only be volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes. C'est très dur de volcanologues qui vivent ensemble parce que c'est très volcanique. Donc, franchement, ça fait des éruptions très souvent. <laughs> For Katya and Maurice, the unknown is not something to be feared. It is something to go toward. Thank you so much for your movie. I saw it at Sundance and then I've been able to see it a few times. It just every time new thoughts and visuals and it's so amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so touched by that. Really appreciate you sharing that. So Maurice in the film, he says, Katya, me and volcanoes. It's a love story. It's really a love triangle, this movie. Could you describe their relationship, the three of them? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. First, I'm so thrilled that that's uh, what you picked up on. That that was our greatest hope, is that people would really understand this film as a love triangle between, you know, these two tiny humans and this epic natural force that that is volcanoes. Um, We really thought uh, that after, you know, through our research process, uh, watching all Katya and Maurice's footage, reading their nearly 20 books that they wrote, interviewing their loved ones, um, it was very clear that love was the guiding force of their life, Uh, love and also understanding. And as we say in the film, uh, understanding is love's other name. Um, That's a quote from a a, a Buddhist monk, actually, Thich Nhat Hanh, and it was very much kind of the thesis of, of our film. 
we believed that it was through kind of the pursuit of understanding volcanoes that drew Maurice and Katya together. And uh, when the two of them, you know, had conflicts, when they disagreed about things, which they did throughout their life, it was always the pursuit of this higher force that pulled them back together. It also caused them to understand each other with greater depth and complexity. Uh, they had to learn how to trust each other to pursue something so dangerous. Um, they had to know each other in, in such a deep way. And so um, that kind of push and pull between themselves and volcanoes um, allowed for that greater kind of depth and meaning, um, all driven by the force of love. In the film, I also understand that certain other volcanologists, their colleagues, I think the word was weirdos that they were called <laughs> once in a while. But um, why? Why were they considered that in some circles? Yeah, Katya and Maurice were uh, idiosyncratic. They really wanted to live their life in their own words, according to the rhythms of the earth. That meant trying to free themselves as much as possible um, in a quixotic kind of way from the trappings of human society. Very much a, a difficult task, but uh, they thought that if they could be freelance volcanologists, you know, um, as independent as possible, that would allow them to chase eruptions as soon as they were happening, rather than having to wait, um, be subject to bureaucratic systems of asking for permission, applying for permits, then finally getting to the site of an eruption by the time it ended. You know, there, right. there's things like that where they thought if they could free themselves, they, they could live um, not just in accordance with the earth, but this really adventurous free lifestyle that they so craved. As um, freelancers, we all want that. Exactly, exactly. It's the dream. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. It's such a dream that I think journalists, filmmakers, writers, uh, a lot of people, um, artists can, can relate to. Um, but they saw their, their cinematography and their photography as one way that enables that kind of lifestyle. Maurice says something in the vein of that he'd rather live sort of a kamikaze existence than a dull life. Do you feel that they were equally addicted to sort of the risk, uh, the thrill of the risk? So that, that was a question we, we talked about a ton. Um, my, my wonderful editors and producers and I, we, we wondered, you know, how much was true um, and how much was perhaps posturing. But when we did our, our research, you know, and specifically when we interviewed their friends and colleagues, they would kind of help us to understand that, that Maurice was, he was so ignited by the thrill of Risk. Like he felt most alive when he was close to erupting volcanoes. Um, and it was that dangers, that proximity to death that actually made him feel most alive. So he was always in search of that feeling. Katya too was absolutely ignited by that feeling. Um, however, according to kind of her colleagues and friends, it was more about the thrill of understanding for her. She was more methodological and kind of approached things a little bit more scientifically. It was that quest for understanding that, that was kind of, uh, drove her to to do this work but they both they were so in partnership with each other uh they would argue <laughs> but then they would reconcile they were very much kind of two sides of the same coin yeah see, it's an amazing partnership and very romantic and passionate but they also bore witness to a lot of death it feels like they were quite haunted by correct me if I'm wrong Colombia did you ever feel that you found out what their relationship to death was Yes. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, it was such a complex relationship to death for, for both Katya and Maurice. There was, of course, their own relationship to their own death. It was our understanding that they weren't necessarily afraid to die 
as themselves as individuals because they both felt like they had lived so purposefully. They had seen so many beautiful things that if they were to die the next day, they would be at peace with that um, because they lived in accordance to their own philosophy. However, it was the idea of each other's death that brought them the most fear. You know, Katya was always afraid that Maurice would wander off, be so pulled by some glorious eruption that he would actually step into, you know, um, a lava flow or, or you know, hardened lava would crack underfoot or things like that. And same thing too with Maurice. That was the thing he dreaded most was say a, a volcanic bomb hitting Katya and her dying in agony. So it was each other's death that, that really brought about that sense of fear. But as they kind of went about their, their work and, and evolved as, as scientists and as artists, um, they really understood that they possessed a unique responsibility towards understanding the relationship between how volcanoes could take human life due to their profound destructive powers. That was something, as you mentioned, they witnessed so devastatingly with the Nevado del Ruiz eruption in 1985 in Colombia. Um, but they they saw themselves, uh, well, first they were just traumatized, like mm -hmm. truly traumatized. They really did question their life's purpose after that, um, especially Katya, who was on the ground witnessing the aftermath of, of that devastating eruption where over 22,000 people lost their lives. But since they were bearing witness to these events, capturing them um, in the photographic record, they thought that they could use their imagery to teach other people, um, governments, decision makers, educators, uh, just the, the power of volcanoes in an effort to understand how to live in relationship with the earth. Um, in a way where um, you could understand, you know, an eruption is about to happen. What are the warning signals that can teach people how to, how to evacuate? So, um, you know, Maurice had that quixotic dream where he says, it's my dream that volcanoes no longer kill. Of course, volcanoes are going to kill. <laughs> They're very destructive. But if you can learn to live in relationship Respect with them. Respect and relationship. That's exactly. That was their higher purpose towards the end of their life, um, driven devastatingly by, by that tragedy in Colombia. So you and your team, your, your filmmaking, how you've used these archives, there's so many beautiful sort of French New Wave and, and the narration, of course, by Miranda July. But I wanted to start with their filmmaking because oh, yeah. they seemed so poetic. Uh, of course, everyone talks about Herzog, but they seem to really have a visual eye. The, the, there's pictures that are just stunning with space suits and the lava flowing. When you saw this archive pictures for the first time, did you also see sort of the, how visually they were? Absolutely, yeah. We were absolutely stunned by the quality of the filmmaking when we were viewing these images, most notably by just how alive the earth seemed. Um, the fact that they got so up close and were holding these shots for such a long time, um, the compositions, um, they, they really demonstrated such artistry and such care and unmistakable love behind the frame. So we, we were so moved by that. Uh, but we also did see the, the stylistic flourishes of the French New Wave. For example, Maurice and his cinematography, there's really fun snap zooms. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they do all these things and, and he directs her and she does several takes and things yeah. like that. It's not just two sort of gray scientists saying, film that and let's go home, right? Exactly, yeah, they really understood themselves as characters um, in this greater story about communicating this, this science and, and um, kind of mysteries of, of the earth. Um, they were very savvy in that way. We always felt like they were performing versions of themselves, not in a way that wasn't true 
Like it always felt like an authentic yeah. presentation, but nonetheless, they were playing characters of themselves all the while knowing that if they were savvy, charming, inviting characters, people would connect to their stories and thus they could be a conduit to understanding kind of the magnitude and power of the earth. And that, that was their ultimate goal. They also, you know, they made a living from it too. They were able to continue to go on their expeditions because of the money that was generated from speaking tours, from um, media appearances, things like that. So there was kind of that utility in their day-to-day life as well. But we were fascinated by by how they were able yeah, to they, were, they really knew storytelling and drama and things like that, which maybe I guess the, the best ones who, who communicate this to us, like in Attenborough and things like mm-hmm. that, you have Absolutely. to have that flair. Um, yeah. I have to ask you something because I was curious about in the movie they say that Kache was sent to a school for unruly girls. <laughs> she does not seem unruly. I'm Anne Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in, and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. Passionate and nerdy, maybe. And But uh, what is the story behind that? Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, there's so much to that story that we always kind of wanted to put into the film. So it's great. Part to have, two. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great to have an opportunity to talk about it more. I mean, Katya was growing up and, and she was born in 1942 um, in Alsace, France. At that time, girls were not thought to... Uh, they, they were told not to be adventurous. She was very much grew up in kind of a, a more religious household where she was expected to be ladylike and follow the social conventions of the time. However, she was extremely athletic, extremely curious, like so many girls. All to say, she really broke those conventional norms um, with how she wanted to be in the world and was constant, constantly disciplined by her family to be something else. There's one extraordinary story that we we actually did create a scene about where uh, when she was a teenager, a carnival came to her village uh, and there was this carnival ride called the Wall of Death, which is where a cylinder, a giant cylinder kind of uh, spins at, at a very high speed. Um, and there's a motorcycle. And the goal of, of this ride is to ride that motorcycle horizontally using the centripetal force of the spinning cylinder. And Katya actually hopped on it and successfully rode it, which shocked everyone in her town. But that's such a great example of her daredevil from a very early age, defying gravity as well as defying rules. Um, She didn't tell her mother. Her mother found out later. But all to say, um, kind of that that spirit of adventure was something that was frowned upon. um, And thus she got sent away to a religious school. Um, But she, I think that that, defiance of authority kind of pushed her further and stoked the flames of her own passion. So to she, speak. Did her parents, what did they think of her future volcanology, almost dying in volcanoes? And then they very much discouraged her interest in science. Yeah, they wanted her to be at her, Katya's mother uh, was kind of the, the headmistress of a school and they wanted Katya to be a teacher um, to follow again, a more conventional path. And so they discouraged her curiosity in science, especially in, in field science. But they also loved their daughter, and they did ultimately accept her. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it I was just, complicated. 
Yeah. I just want to conclude by asking what you think happened in Japan. How could this happen that they died there after all these years of being so up and close and, and doing all these studies? Yeah. Um, Katya and Maurice, uh, as they developed their career and evolved uh, in their work, they really did uh, kind of they decided to go even closer and closer and closer. Part of that was because they accumulated more knowledge and they felt even more comfortable working with volcanoes, but they also made the conscious effort um, or the conscious decision rather to be studying the most dangerous forces in the world. So they all the while always knew that any moment really could be their last. That was something they spent a lot of time thinking about up until their very last day when Katya on camera is looking at the very thing that will kill her on camera. Uh, she's looking at this lava dome that's building and she, you know, says to the interviewer, like, we don't know nothing like that. That's her quote. Um, she's acknowledging that, like, at any moment, this could this lava dome could collapse, triggering a pyroclastic surge. And that is what happened. Very tragically, you know, they were with their good friend, Harry Glicken, who's another volcanologist and 40 other people lost their lives that day on the mountain. I guess the way that we like to think about it is, you know, it's of course a tragedy. People still mourn them. Um, human life was lost and that's devastating. But they did, Katya and Maurice died doing what they truly loved. Um, and all the while knowing that they had to humble themselves before that profound force, um, knowing all the while that they could never fully know it and embracing that, that mystery. So yeah, that there's a kind of a, a poignant beauty amid the tragedy of their death. At least that's how we kind of understood uh, what happened uh, on Mount Unzen on July 4th, 1991, uh, from our perspective as the filmmaking yeah. team. And the, your film is so beautiful, so it's really a, a you know gift to, to them and their story. Personally, mm -hmm. what did you um, learn about love making this movie? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, it's hard for me to summarize it in a minute, but, but I think I learned that... Um, love can be perhaps as baffling and beguiling and enchanting as a volcano, as mysterious and destructive too. But I, I think the greatest thing I've learned about love is yeah, how it can drive us uh, through life with tremendous meaning and going towards your love, um, even knowing that you can never fully understand it. You know, philosophers for thousands of years have wondered, what is love? <laughs> Not just philosophers, humans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> across time and space yet we still fall in love every day, in and out of love. Katia and Maurice, you know, they were in love with this unknown force. They knew no matter how much they pursued it, uh, they would never fully understand. So there's a Sisyphusian nature to their pursuit. And, and that's kind of how I feel about love <laughs> in a way. Um, but going towards love, whether it's romantic love in my personal life or the love of telling stories and filmmaking and working with my extraordinary crew. Yeah, that, that's what enriches my own life and gives me a sense of profound meaning for which I, I will always be grateful. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for your time with me and for the movie. And oh, I look forward so much, to what you're going to do next. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. 
Thank you so much to director Sarah Dosa. And don't miss Fire of Love. See it in the theater. It's out in the U.S. In Sweden, it's out on Friday, um, August 26th. It'll be out in the U.K. in September. Don't miss it. And thank you so much for joining us here on Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.